Hey all, welcome back to the Real Life Pharmacology Podcast today. Uh, I've got a bit of a special episode for you here. This was uh, per request of someone. Uh, just wanted to know a little bit more about drug interactions, so that's definitely what I'm going to cover today. Uh, if you would, definitely go to reallifepharmacology.com, get your free 31-page PDF on the top 200 drugs. If you're taking pharmacology classes or if you're out practicing in the real world, it's a great refresher. Uh, it's some of the things that I've come across in practice. Uh, as well as things that I've seen on uh, board exams as well as pharmacology exams. So definitely stuff that uh, you should probably know and, and have memorized if you're studying pharmacology. So again, simply an email will get you access to that at reallifepharmacology.com. It's our top 200 study guide. All right, so let's get into the podcast today, which I said is going to be a little bit different. Uh, I'm going to go over my top 10 drug interactions surrounding uh, antihypertensive medications. So those commonly used blood pressure medications, uh, wanted to give you guys uh, some things to look out for uh, in practice as far as drug interactions go. And then of course, a lot of these will show up uh, on board exams as well. So I've got them in no particular order. Uh, some are maybe less common but more severe, and some are maybe more common but less severe. Uh, but uh, let's let's go. So ACE inhibitors, diuretics, and NSAIDs. Um, I've I've heard this uh, called uh, kind of a triple no-no. Um, ideally, we should avoid this three drug combination if possible. Uh, the reason being mechanistically, uh, if you think about the way uh, ACEs and NSAIDs affect kind of that flow into the kidney, and if you want to go back and listen to the, the mechanics of that, you certainly can on previous podcasts where I discuss um, some of the NSAIDs and ACE inhibitors, uh, but those can basically impact the flow on the kidney, reduce the flow on the kidney. Uh, diuretics can dehydrate, that reduces flow to the kidney. And ultimately, we can end up in an acute renal failure situation. So definitely pay attention uh, to kind of that triad of medications because it can lead to some issues. If you absolutely have a patient on it, uh, you better be very closely monitoring their renal function for sure. All right, next one, I'm going to stick on the ACE inhibitors and the ARBs. Uh, potassium. So we all know those drugs can raise potassium levels, but there are many medications that can add to that effect. Uh, I have personally seen an issue with trimethoprim uh, contributing to a severe life-threatening hyperkalemia situation in a patient already on uh, an ACE inhibitor. So this can definitely happen. Uh, other medications to think about, obviously spironolactone, which is another uh, blood pressure-reducing medication, a potassium-sparing diuretic. Uh, cyclosporins, one that's not commonly used, uh, but some of those uh, immunosuppressives can raise potassium levels. Uh, so those would be important as well to look out for. Uh, keeping on uh, the ACE inhibitors and ARBs for now, um, I'm going to lump this one together. Uh, but diuretics and ACEs and ARBs can both raise lithium concentrations. Now, lithium con lithium isn't commonly used. It's used for bipolar disorder. Um, but 
if we have, it, it is a narrow therapeutic index medication. So if we add an ACE inhibitor or a diuretic on top of that, a patient taking that who's maybe stable, well, now those concentrations of lithium can go up and we can potentially uh, cause some lithium toxicity there. So definitely a good one to remember uh, in our bipolar patients. If we're trying to manage blood pressure, we've got to be a little bit careful with those uh, ACEs and ARBs as well as uh, diuretics there. Uh, nitrates, not a commonly used uh, medication strictly for blood pressure. Typically, we're using these for angina, chest pain, uh, but it definitely uh, is a very, very important interaction. Definitely one I've seen come up on board exams quite a bit. Uh, you've got to remember the PDE5 inhibitors can cause profound uh, hypotension, drop in blood pressure. Uh, so those are your erectile dysfunction drugs. Also can be used for pulmonary hypertension, uh, but a drug like sildenafil or tadalafil, for example, there. With the theme of this podcast, uh, I would definitely strongly encourage you to go check out meded101.com. Uh, check out the resource tab up top of the home page and click on free stuff. Uh, I've got an 18-page PDF on really common drug interactions that show up in practice uh, as well as on board exams. So definitely a no-brainer uh, to go snag that. It'll be a great little review for you or if you're just starting to learn medications, um, a great place to start if you're looking at potentially memorizing uh, drug interactions. So uh, simply subscribing to the Meded 101 blog with the email, uh, that will get you access to that uh, 18-page PDF on the top drug interactions. Um, example blog posts that I've, I've had recently, um, if you like clinical pharmacy-related things, uh, comparing ibuprofen versus naproxen, um, Parkinson's medication management, why patients are so fussy about the timing of their meds. I uh, also give a rundown uh, of my important takeaways from the 2024 uh, ADA guidelines. So those are just some of the examples of the recent blog posts that we've had uh, at meded101.com. So simply subscribing there, you can check out the, the blog as well. Uh, but again, under the resources tab, uh, click on that free stuff and you'll find your way to subscribe. Next, we have amlodipine, very, very commonly used blood pressure medication. Uh, there aren't a tremendous amount of drug interactions with amlodipine. It does inhibit CYP3A4, uh, but it's a pretty mild inhibitor of CYP3A4. So with that said, uh, the one drug interaction I've probably seen come up the most uh, is with simvastatin. It can raise concentrations of uh, this statin medication for cholesterol. And so that's definitely something uh, to look out for there. So you ultimately, uh, we can potentially try to switch to an alternative statin. Rosuvastatin should interact, uh, for example, a little bit less. Uh, or we have to uh, watch the dose of simvastatin and probably not push it too much there. Uh, next, we have Secubitril uh, Valsartan um, in combination with ACE inhibitors. Secubitril uh, Valsartan is, uh, Entresto is the brand name there. So there needs to be a 36-hour washout period uh, when we're switching somebody from an ACE inhibitor to Secubitril Valsartan. 
The reason for that is angioedema. Again, definitely another uh, one that'll come up in practice potentially and uh, on board exams for sure. Uh, diuretics and aminoglycosides. So again, aminoglycosides not used terribly often, pretty much primarily um, used in a healthcare type setting, a hospital type situation. Occasionally I, I have seen it outpatient. Um, but we've really got to pay attention to renal function here. Okay. So acute renal failure is a big issue. Um, the other issue primarily with loop diuretics, maybe more so than like thiazide diuretics, um, we also can uh, have hearing impairment and cause ototoxicity as well. So definitely a drug interaction to uh, pay attention there too as well. Uh, let's talk beta blockers a little bit. So uh, beta blockers, I definitely think about some of those medications uh, that can lower pulse. And, you know, probably the obvious one is uh, the calcium channel blockers of diltiazem or verapamil. Uh, those can kind of have those additive effects. But we've got a, some medications for dementia. So denepazil, for example, uh, rivastigmine is another example. Those medications can actually cause bradycardia as well. So adding them on top of a beta blocker uh, can definitely drop that. Uh, in addition, kind of a bonus uh, drug interaction here, you've got to remember that beta blockers can sometimes blunt the effects of uh, beta agonists. So if we're trying to treat COPD, asthma, uh, there is that potential, particularly with non-selective agents more so, uh, such as propranolol, where we're going to blunt the effectiveness of that beta agonist. Uh, and then, of course, with beta blockers, uh, the the last thing or one of the other major things that I've I've certainly seen come up on on exams and uh, in practice as well is it can blunt the signs and symptoms of hypoglycemia, uh, particularly you know patients on sulfonylureas and insulin. Uh, they're probably a little bit more at risk for hypoglycemia uh, in our diabetes patients, um, but that is a, a potential uh, interaction there to to look out for. Uh, let's mention uh, diltiazem, verapamil a little bit. Uh, diltiazem particularly probably is a little bit stronger inhibitor of uh, CYP3A4. Again, these meds aren't used incredibly often for their blood pressure lowering effects. Uh, often there's a, a compelling indication like atrial fibrillation or you know certain types of headaches, for example. Um, but uh, I do want to mention them for completeness here. So diltiazem having some of those interactions, CYP3, being a CYP3A4 inhibitor, uh, it can raise the concentrations of numerous medications. Um, anything from uh, a benzodiazepine like alprazolam, uh, budesonide is an example there, uh, carbamazepine, seizure medication, or a bipolar medication, mood stabilizing type medication, uh, fentanyl, some statins. So there's lots of drugs that are broken down by CYP3A4 and deltiazem can definitely uh, raise those concentrations. So I definitely think it's a noteworthy interaction uh, to mention in the antihypertensive section here. Uh, and then last, uh, but not least, I guess, um, you've got to remember other medications that lower blood pressure. So I alluded to um, PDE5 inhibitors. So when we add that on top, uh, 
of other medications uh, that can drop blood pressure. Uh, that that can be an issue uh, if we drop that blood pressure too low. Uh, SGLT2 inhibitors, you know, those newer diabetes medications, um, those can drop blood pressure a little bit. Usually, probably not clinically significant, but it is something to definitely pay attention to. Uh, some of the Parkinson's medications um, have some orthostasis, orthostasis risk, carbidopa, levodopa, for example, there. Uh, some of the antipsychotics can cause some orthostasis and drop in blood pressure. So uh, definitely pay attention to that when we're starting new medications, making changes, that we could have those additive effects in dropping blood pressure. All right. Well, I want to thank you for listening. Please support the sponsor, meded101.com slash store. We've got growing list of resources for pharmacist board certification like NAPLEX, BCPS, ambulatory care, BCMTMS, uh, and much, much more. So go check that out at meded101.com slash store, S-T-O-R-E. Also, if you're a nurse practitioner, med student, uh, anyone else, we've got a bunch of resources at meded101.com slash store as well. Uh, Amazon books, for example, on drug interactions like I spoke about today, for example. Uh, Your support there greatly helps this podcast uh, keep going and obviously keeps it free and available for all to benefit from. Uh, If you enjoyed this podcast, do us a huge favor, leave us a rating review. Uh, And as always, you can reach out to me at mededucation101 at gmail.com. Send me suggestions, ideas, thoughts on uh, podcasts, uh, as well as uh, blog posts, ideas, too, on meded101.com. I'm going to sign off for today. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Take care and have a great rest of your day.